the year 1733, George II sitting then on the throne, peace reigning for the moment, and the King and the Prince of Wales being not yet at loggerheads, there came on a visit to the English court a certain prince, who was afterwards known to history as Rudolf III of Ruritania. The prince was a tall, handsome young fellow, marked, maybe marred, it's not for me to say, by a somewhat unusually long, sharp and straight nose, and a mass of dark red hair. In fact, the nose and the hair, which have stamped the Elfbergs time out of mind. He stayed some months in England, where he was most courteously received, yet in the end he left rather under a cloud, for he fought a duel, it was considered highly well-bred of him to waive all question of his rank, with a nobleman, well known in the society of the day, not only for his own merits, but as the husband of a very beautiful wife. In that duel Prince Rudolf received a severe wound, and, recovering therefrom, was adroitly smuggled off by the Ruritanian ambassador, who had found him a pretty handful. The nobleman was not wounded in the duel, but the morning being raw and damp on the occasion of the meeting, he contracted a severe chill, and failing to throw it off, he died some six months after the departure of Prince Rudolf, without having found leisure to adjust his relations with his wife, who, after another two months, bore an heir to the title and estates of the family of Burlston. This lady was the Countess Amelia, whose picture my sister-in-law wished to remove from the drawing-room in Park Lane, and her husband was James, fifth Earl of Burlesdon, and twenty-second Baron Rassendil, both in the peerage of England and a knight of the garter. As for Rudolf, he went back to Ruritania, married a wife and ascended the throne, whereon his progeny in the direct line have sat from then till this very hour, with one short interval. And finally, if you walk through the picture galleries at Burlesdon, among the fifty portraits or so of that last century and a half, you'll find five or six including that of the sixth earl, distinguished by long, sharp, straight noses, and a quantity of dark red hair. These five or six have also blue eyes, whereas among the Rassendils dark eyes are the commoner. That is the explanation, and I am glad to have furnished it. The blemishes on honourable lineage are a delicate subject, and certainly this heredity we hear so much about is the finest scandal-monger in the world. It laughs at discretion and writes strange entries between the lines of the peerages. It will be observed that my sister-in-law, with a want of logic that must have been peculiar to herself, since we are no longer allowed to lay it to the charge of her sex, treated my complexion almost as an offence for which I was responsible, hastening to assume from that external sign inward qualities of which I protest my entire innocence. And this unjust inference, she sought to buttress by pointing to the uselessness of the life I had led. Well, be that as it may, I had picked up a good deal of pleasure and a good deal of knowledge. I had been to a German school and a German university, and spoke German as readily and perfectly as English. I was thoroughly at home in French, I had a smattering of Italian, and enough Spanish to swear by. I was, I believe, a strong, though hardly a fine, swordsman and a good shot, I could ride anything that had a back to sit on, and my head was as cool a one as you could find, for all its flaming cover. If you say that I ought to have spent my time in useful labour, I am out of court and have nothing to say, save that my parents had no business to leave me two thousand pounds a year and a roving disposition. The difference between you and Robert, said my sister-in-law, who often, bless her, 
speaks on a platform, and often as still as if she were on one, is that he recognises the duties of his position, and you only see the opportunities of yours. To a man of spirit, my dear Rose, I answered, opportunities are duties. Nonsense, said she, tossing her head. And after a moment, she went on, now, there's Sir James Borrowdale offering you exactly what you might be equal to. A thousand thanks, I murmured. He's to have an embassy in six months, and Robert says he's sure that he'll take you as an attaché. Do take it, Rudolph, to please me. Now, when my sister-in-law puts the matter in that way, wrinkling her pretty brows, twisting her little hands, and growing wistful in the eyes, all on account of an idle scamp like myself, for whom she has no natural responsibility, I am visited with a compunction. Moreover, I thought it possible that I could pass the time in the position suggested with some tolerable amusement. Therefore, I say,